Angelica. Yes. Hi. Hi. Nice to have you. Thanks for having me. No problem. Um, I feel like this is going to be very awkward because this is like the first. It's probably the hardest, but it's okay. <laughs> and I'm going to probably pretend this is a little bit of wine instead yes. of water. That Maybe that would have been a good idea. Just like a straight up Just shot of that one. <laughs> I do have a bottle of champagne. Oh, great. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, so I wanted to have you on the podcast. Um, and for those of, obviously, anyone who's listening is a new listener. Um, so the podcast will just be about um, talking about things that make us stronger than we thought we were. Um, and to talk about kind of the daily struggles that people have. Um, so I wanted to invite you on and I've... I, I've known you over the years, mm-hmm. um, but your um, kind of journey through endo, and I call it endo, and I probably shouldn't because I don't suffer from it, nope, but I can't perfect. say the full, full name. <laughs> um, so if you're able to pronounce it for our listeners, that would be yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. So I have endometriosis, which, yes, everybody can call oh. endo, so you're good. <laughs> okay. And this is the real tricky one, and adenomyosis. Which is a harder one because I never really am sure if it's adenomyosis or adenomyosis. Because I've heard it being nicknamed as adeno. I think it's properly called adenomyosis. Okay. Interesting. So that's another one. Interesting. (laughs) And those are different. They're different. Okay. Yeah. So um, endometriosis is where the tissues that are in the lining of the uterus grow outside of the uterus. Okay. So they can grow anywhere. Oh. Whether it's... um, around kind of the reproductive system okay or in like up to your lungs oh, your wow. brain and they can be anywhere i've heard something that there's the only one place that it can't be which i think it's the pancreas <laughs> oh interesting i don't know strange fact <laughs> interesting but okay. um yeah so it's that tissue that's supposed to be inside the uterus that lines the uterus growing outside of the uterus okay so um with that there's also been told that it's the adhesions that grow that is kind of a painful part of it. Plus, I it's the lining that usually gets shed during right. your period. So that's now growing outside of your right. So wherever it is, we're going to feel that. Yeah. Okay. And the adenomyosis is actually in the muscle wall of um, your uterus. Oh, wow. So it's usually classified, you can usually tell by, call. it's called a, it's horrible, it's called a bulky uterus, mm-hmm. is how most people can tell, which I think is awful. That's mean. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> but either it's way. Like, are you calling me fat? Or exactly. Yeah. I don't want a bulky uterus. Yeah. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's how it's usually you can tell, because it's just that it's in that actual lining of the uterus itself. Okay. Yeah. They're both um, chronic conditions. That uh, are very painful. Yes. (laughs) And um, it's something like one in 10 women, or excuse me, not women, people with XX chromosomes um, can have it. So it's very common. And it's something that has little research behind it, has no cure. And um, yeah, people don't know much about it. Yeah. So is there, there's probably a lot more women that have it than even realize they have it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And that's common, uh, it's common because as you grow up, you're constantly being told that, oh, don't worry about it. Oh, it's normal. Oh, it's just, you know, just pain. Yeah. And cramps are supposed to be painful. Exactly. And people are constantly kind of brushed off when it comes to medical things. And I think especially women are kind of brushed off with, oh, well, it's normal. Right. But 
what's normal. Right. Or your pain tolerance is too low. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You're just exaggerating. Totally. Right. Yeah. So you don't really know, and that's, I think, where a major problem lies, of course. Because you can go, and I don't know the statistic completely, but it's something like it takes about, I want to say, seven years and 11 doctors, but it's something like that, before you get di- a diagnosis. Wow. Because you're constantly being told, oh, it's just pain. Oh, it'll be fine. Take an Advil. Take a Tylenol. Take. But none of it actually is helpful. Right. Of course. Yeah. So it's, a, it's tricky because it takes a long time for diagnosis. Right. It's very hard to diagnose, which is another problem. Because you can't actually diagnose it until you go to treat it. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So the only form of diagnosis is through a laparoscopic um, surgery. So where they'd actually go to take out the adhesions. Right. Which seems totally backwards to me. You can only diagnose yes. it when you're treating it. Yeah. It feels like exploratory surgery where it's it, like, we're just going to see what's there. Just poke around. Just poke around. <laughs> like, that's going to make everything better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So once you're diagnosed, mm-hmm. what is any treatment if there is any? Um, there's very little. Um, most organizations will do a mixture between surgeries and hormone therapy. Okay. So the, um, from what I've read, the best type of surgery for endo is the excision surgery. Okay. Which is where they um, go in, like I said, laparoscopically. Right. Um, and they actually take out the adhesions okay. versus there's another one that they used to do more often where they kind of burn it, but they don't get the roots and right. it doesn't sound pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> any burning anywhere. No, right. Good. Not burning inside. <laughs> yeah. So, um, this one, they actually take the adhesions out. Okay. So some organizations use it as, um, I, I had gone through BC women's hospital. Okay. And they went through, they only usually use excision surgery to diagnose. Oh, okay. And then if you're having, let's say, a problem fertility-wise, right. then you might go back in to take out those adhesions to then see if it'll increase the thing. So they're just like, you have them, but we're going to leave them. We're going to leave them. Until you need to get rid of them. Pretty much. There are other doctors that I've heard that, that's one of the forms of treatments Okay, that you'll go in every few years, you get them removed. So there are some women that I've talked to who have like eight, 11 surgeries. Wow. And it just sounds so unpleasant. Yeah. <laughs> but that's kind of it. So there's that or there's the hormone therapy. Okay. Which um, a lot of doctors will recommend doing, um, going on a birth control pill, okay. whether it's a pill or an IUD or something. Right. And to kind of play around with that hormone balance too, which does can make endo worse. Right. But in all honesty, it's one of those things that you can help kind of treat the adhesions, but the pain itself, there is nothing for. Right. So they'll put you on heavy duty painkillers. You can put on as many heating pads as possible. It helps, but at the same time, you will go to do ER visits. Oh, my gosh. Probably, well, I go almost once a month around my period because it makes it worse. Of course. So. Oh, my gosh. It's one of those things. Yeah. 
So you had the surgery. I did. And how long from when you first thought you had endo to like when you were able to get the surgery? Yeah. So um, I was first starting to question it when I was 16, something like that. First started to question it, kept going into my doctor, asking her about these really painful periods. A lot of people will have very heavy bleeding too right. that's associated with it. But mine was just like debilitating. There would be at least three days within the month where I couldn't go to school. I was at home. And what was a real big sort of note for me as to where it can't just be my period is that it would be randomly throughout the month too. Oh I'd have gosh. that same cramping. Oh my gosh. Bedridden thing. Wow. So I started kind of questioning it then. It wasn't until I was 21, 22 that I really started pushing for it. Right. And I just went into my doctor, went into about maybe six gynecologists. <laughs> Wow. Went and pushed for my physio to help me and all these different people until I finally got my referral to BC Women's. And then uh, when I was there, they decided that they wanted to do a surgery to check for the diagnosis. So, and that was at, oh, that was at 26. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So 10 years. Yeah. Wow. Which I think is typical. Okay. I think it, they say that it's usually about 10 years, yeah. which is ridiculous, but right. I think typical. What were your doctors telling you when you were 16 that it was just, oh gosh, you get, which is <laughs> kind of a running joke in the community that I've seen, is you get the weirdest thing thrown at you. Oh my God. So it's, you know, it's just bad cramps. Right. Don't worry about it. But they, doctors will tell you it's ridiculous things. Yeah. So I have been told, you know. Drink more water. Try flax. Try <laughs> drink wine. Cut, relax. Do deep breathing. My favorite was almonds. I was told by multiple doctors, just eat almonds. Sure, thanks. <laughs> Interesting. Almonds and wine. Almonds and wine. Almonds Who knew? And wine. Yeah, the cure so, to everything. The cure to everything. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So you'll have everybody giving you these kind of fast cures. Yeah. And though some things are helpful, a lot of women find um, acupuncture really helpful, or I found okay. physio really helpful. Interesting. What kind mm -hmm. of physio? Like pelvic, pelvic floor, floor physio? Okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, I found it super helpful. Yeah. Um, diets, a lot of people have completely altered their diets, and that's been very helpful. Finding sort of gentle exercise. There are a lot of different things that people go to. Right. Just, well, and I guess, too, if you're saying how it can grow everywhere, it's going to affect you differently yeah. on what you do to kind of help alleviate a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And because it can, actually, I'm assuming, because it can <laughs> grow everywhere, right. or it's just a symptom of yeah. it, um, with endo comes so many different symptoms, of course. So there's a lot of women who have, more sort of stomach issues associated with that. So the diet could be really helpful for them. There are other people who have um, uh, painful sex. That's another big one. Yeah. Um, another one is heavy bleeding. Another one is back pain and exhaustion and migraines and 
there are all these different things that can kind of go hand in hand with it. So you yeah. treat all of them. <laughs> treat everything with almonds. Yeah. <laughs> so what does now, what does a daily kind of life look for you? Dealing yeah. With endo. So um, I have stage one endo. Okay. So, so, so how many stages are there? It goes to four. Okay. Kind so of the they're stages. Yeah. Okay. So they're based on how many, the number of um, adhesions you have. Okay. As well as the locations. Oh, okay. So I have, mine are collected outside of, are behind my ovary. Okay. So because they're all around the reproductive system and only a few, I have stage one. Okay. But the stages don't correlate with the pain. Interesting. Okay. Super interesting. Right. Yeah. So you can have, there are some women with stage four endo and they have no idea because they're not in pain. Oh, interesting. Um, but because endo is one of the leading causes of infertility in women, right. it's not until they go to try and conceive that they notice there's a problem and then someone might go in and realize it. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And then there are people with stage one that it's debilitating. Right. So um, for me, I I had my surgery in the end of July, and it came with a lot of confusion <laughs> because I had um, a surgery and it led to internal bleeding, right. which was not caught. Right. Um, I ended up having to be rushed to the hospital where they had to perform a second surgery. Terrifying. Yeah, it was like over half of the. My blood was gone, it was pulled oh my in my abdomen, and it was just, it was a mess. <laughs> oh my gosh. But uh, because of that, I'm still recovering from my surgery, even though it was the end of July. Yeah. They think um, it'll take about a full year to completely recover from just the surgery aspect Jeez. of it. And I'm not sure how that differs compared to normal or typical endosurgeries. Right. But um, yeah, that also comes into play. Um, so for me, my endo, um, over the past few years, I'm not sure if it was due to age or due to what, right. it's gotten worse and worse. Right. So near the end of, right before my surgery, it was to the point where it was debilitating. Oh my God. So I would spend very few days being able to actually go to work. Right. Um, I would be home just with heat on. Heavy painkillers. Oh my gosh. Just stuck. Yeah. Now with the surgery, I'm I'm actually didn't notice a great difference for the surgery itself, how the surgery affected it. But I um I happened to get a new IUD put in while I did my surgery. Oh, okay. And that I've noticed a huge difference. Interesting. Now. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. So um, the IUD, though, I have the Mirena, which is supposed to last five years okay. for contraception, right. but only three years for pain. Okay. Who knew? Right. So, <laughs> so I had a new oh one gosh. put in this time, okay. and that definitely helps. So mm -hmm. I'm now at the point where I'm starting to go back to work. Okay. Um, I, am, I took a leave from work for physical reasons, but also I think more than anything for psychological. Yeah. I, it yeah. messes with you after a while. Yeah. Well, to not ever know what a day is going to look like yeah. for you. Like, 
for me, I mean, I know my period's coming up and I might be like, okay, I maybe not teach so much. Like, sure. I might feel like, you know, crampy and gross. Yeah. But to not know just day every single day yes. what that day and you might start off feeling okay and then you and end I think, off the day feeling crappy totally and I think that's the big sort of um note with endo is that it is chronic it is yeah. every single day whether that person is telling you they're fine whether they're working right. whether they're lying on the bed it is every single day that you are dealing with something right and some days are worse than others and just because I saw a quote that I loved, and it was something along the lines of, just because I did it yesterday doesn't mean I'm going to do it today and doesn't mean I'm not going to do it tomorrow. Right. And which I think sums it up perfectly. Yeah. Like every moment at a time. Every moment at a time. So I can be completely fine, and then all of a sudden I am crippled over, and it's, nope, I'm going home. (laughs) Wow. So that, it really does mess with your head after a while. Yeah. And just like any other chronic illness that constantly feeling like you're fighting yeah, and feeling like you just there's no breathing room yeah gets overwhelming for sure and I feel yes like mentally I mean for me sometimes can be more in the struggle than physical absolutely and that's without dealing with the pain on top of it but just that that daily like okay I just gotta do this again I just have to kind of get my ass off of this chair and and try totally yeah even then all those days when you're like well I bodily I feel okay but if you've just been fighting Mm -hmm. you know those body things day after day and all of a sudden you're like okay I feel okay but I just can't yeah handle anymore I need a day to just watch Netflix and not be in pain oh gosh yeah yeah and generally you hit Monday morning for anybody you're like no I don't want (laughs) to I'm good I was just on the weekend let's do the weekend some more yeah yeah so it's that same sort of feeling that everybody gets but at the same time it's just this added level of oh but you know if I go all the way to work and then I have a flare then I'm gonna have to find a way to get all the way back home and I have this thing that's tomorrow and if I rest now maybe I'll be able to go do that thing tomorrow and yeah. there's a lot of sort of juggling yeah and compromise I'm and sure. compromise definitely yeah and so is there also like a hesitation to do things physically as well of just like I don't want to do this in case it oh yeah <laughs> yeah so before my surgery um since Things got bad, and since my surgery, because I did take the time off, I've done tons of different mindfulness classes and everything else to try and wrap my brain around the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but that was one of the things that they talked about, and I noticed I fit in picture perfect to it, is before the surgery, I was pushing. So I was constantly, nope, ignore it, I'm fine, push through it, push through it, which is not good. Right. But then I noticed I reverted to this complete opposite where it's, I don't want to do anything in case. Right. And I'm scared. And that's yeah. also not good. So it's but understandable. Finding, understandable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's finding this balance between, um, they talk about it as finding this balance right before you hit a flare. Okay. So pushing maybe past you're comfortable where you're right. normally. But stopping it right before you hit that flare. Oh my gosh. Which, which is how are you going to know? Like, it's not like a yeah. warning sign, like, oh, we're getting there. Oh, yeah, you just have some light going on. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a little, like, flare meter, flare meter. Yeah, like, you're getting close. Okay, like, hold back. If totally, only, right? If only. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, I think, a constant struggle is to kind of figure that out. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's finding that kind of balance and at this point making myself still do things. Right. Because otherwise then mentally that also throws you when you end up kind of secluding yourself and not wanting to deal with the world. It's right. only going to do more damage mentally, so. Of course. And I'm sure, too, the more you hold back and then you want to start doing things, it's almost like you have to push past this, like, Oh, even yeah. more to just kind of oh, do yeah. the things you want to do. Well, the leave from work, I I knew I needed to do it. I was really worried to do it, but I knew I needed to. I did it. And then as soon as I did it, I thought, I don't want to go back. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be so hard to start back into that momentum. Right. And which has been hard, but at the same time, it's, it's just like anything. You stop something for a while and you just think, oh, no. Yeah, I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to. <laughs> yeah, let's just do something new. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So how has it been being back at work then? Because you're back two days. Two mornings a week right now. Mm-hmm. I got, um, I created a bit of a gradual re-entry with my mm-hmm. physio. So um, I am an early childhood educator. So <laughs> at a center for kids with speech and language delay. So I am on the floor crawling lifting up kids, moving things, constantly right. sort of moving, which, uh, and sitting on tiny chairs, which is not <laughs> ideal. <laughs> but um, with that, my boss has been lovely. Oh, so I've set up a gradual re-entry where I'm in the office primarily and um, starting to do two mornings a week. And then I'll slowly build on to that. And it's been good. It's um, at this point, I think it's mainly getting past that hump of just the scared to do anything, scared yeah. to be vulnerable to then have to, or be vulnerable to push myself too far or to cause a flare. Or, but um, yeah, it's it moved very slowly. But yeah. besides that, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so when you say you took a leave, were you able to? Um, like take EI or were you able to yeah okay so I did um I applied for illness EI okay and I had to get a note from my doctor so did that help having like the actual endo diagnosis for that so much okay cool so I was before I was I'm not big on surgeries yeah Is yeah right. <laughs> I think you're crazy no one wants like, oh, just going for surgery yeah no. <laughs> yeah so I was very reluctant going in but uh, that was actually what got me to do it, was I thought, with the diagnosis, with with the potential of it might be, it was driving me insane that every doctor I went into, anybody I talked to, anybody, you know, gave me their, everybody gave me their two cents of, oh, no, it's probably this. And no one legitimized it. Ugh. So, and it's very, it's very hard to feel like you're constantly kind of battling something right. and people aren't believing you yeah. or they're belittling it. Right. Of course. So with that diagnosis, it was the best for me, even though the surgery ended up being <laughs> horrible. <laughs> oh but, but because I'm still alive, yes. it turned out, yes. <laughs> um, it ended up being great because with that diagnosis, it was no problem to get the EI. Great. I got illness EI for 15 weeks, I think it is, and then it timed out, and I had to 
go back. <laughs> um, but it gave me that time, which was great. Yeah. It also gave me a lot more confidence to then be able to say, you know, no, this is what it is. And yes. kind of legitimized it in my head. Yes. Um, as well as it, it's the endo community. There's something about it that it is such an amazing connection and such an amazing group of people that everybody is so supportive. You send out any message or any note and people will constantly tell you what they think, right. an opinion, what works for them, something else, a referral, anything. Wow. And it's it's wonderful. There's something else to feel like you're not dealing with it alone. That's because huge. it can be really isolating. Yes, I can't I can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, I mean I've definitely even just going to the doctor and like, I you know, have this cough and I think it's whatever. And the yeah. doctor's like, Oh no, just take some heart test and you're like, No, 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 totally. like I know myself. You're like, I know my body, I know that this isn't normal. Yeah. Right? And I mean, yes, there are a few people out there who do over exaggerate, but isn't it better to just treat those couple people than to discount oh yeah all of these, you know, people who are coming in and saying you know, I'm having super painful periods and yeah you know I'm off work like and I can't even imagine at 16 like just every month being off for three days like constantly you well know? in that 16 year old you want to be out with your friends yeah and, and that's you know? also like and like embarrassing, embarrassing right because you're like you're young and it's all new and mm-hmm. you don't want to be that person that's like I'm I'm special yeah, exactly <laughs> like I'm over here like watching cartoons all day like yeah you know because people especially you know when we were 16 mm-hmm. you never heard about endo oh ever. yeah so no. if you're thinking you know my periods are super bad you're like, yeah my periods are bad too like come on sissy like you yeah, know absolutely. get out of bed right and yeah. you know there was a few I went on birth control because mine were you know painful mm-hmm. but I mean I don't think it was anything that serious it was I was kind of able to sort it out but yeah. shouldn't we be treating it as a possibility of something more like you know you put someone on birth control to try to see if that relieves symptoms and it doesn't okay let's do more absolute you know, exploration and see what might help relieve the symptoms if there isn't treatment at least helping to relieve of the course. symptoms yeah. As much as possible. No, that's exactly it. And because there's so, like, there's no education in schools about it and very little <laughs> about sex ed and periods in general, yeah. um, it's something that's lost. Yes. So, and you're 100% right, it constantly gets brushed off. Yeah. So if you can go in and if nothing else, they'll try and treat the painful, the symptoms of it. Yeah. Then keep it in your mind that it might be that. Exactly. But now there's... Like, it's only now that even doctors are starting to educate themselves about it. Because I've gone to doctors saying, you know, this is what it is, right. or I think this is what it is, and they don't know what it is, oh or they don't know what to do. And that's where you get <laughs> recommendations of almonds and deep breathing. <laughs> and it drives me nuts, because... Yeah. Well, you just, yeah, you're like, that's not a serious treatment option, like... 100%. I just come in here just because I wanted to not be at work today, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I take time out of my day because I'm trying to find a solution mm-hmm. and live your life. Yeah. And it's something that, um, because there are wide range of symptoms, and they do, they're kind of, not general symptoms, but things that you can find in other yeah. sort of illnesses and whatnot. Right. Um, it's something that you really do have to keep pushing for. Because it's the 
majority of women I think that go in with or that end up getting endodiagnosis were first brought in because they thought it was appendicitis or they thought it was Crohn's or they thought it was all these different things. It is very rare that you're actually going in for the surgery for endo and it is endo. Interesting. So it's one of those things. I think for me, it started because of my painful periods, but also um, the the sex component to it. Of course. It was painful. Yeah. And it shouldn't be in my mind. Yeah. So it going in and continuing to talk about it and finding someone's kind of feedback on that, if you think of it as a young person trying to figure this out, it's heartbreaking for all these doctors to just right. say, have a glass of wine. Yeah. Relax. Yeah. <laughs> Take some deep breaths. And it's, well, it's not helping. Yeah. I need more. Yeah. I need more input. I need more to figure out what's wrong. Right. Because you automatically internalize it and think, well, I'm broken. There's something wrong with me. Right. Whereas that's not at all the point. The point yeah. is that everybody's different. Let's figure out how your body best works. Right. And let's make it work to its top, to its peak condition. Exactly. And how huge the validation is, though, too, right? Just like, yes, I hear you. I understand this is what you're going through. Let's figure out something together. Oh, yeah. Instead of just, like you said, brushing them under the rug and, like, have your almonds and peace out, (laughs) like, you know. Oh, yeah, which I think was probably the biggest thing. And the biggest thing I learned from um, my surgery is from now on just just the simple phrase of I believe you is huge huge like it makes the world of difference right yeah because I can't yeah I just can't even imagine like how it affects you on a a daily basis yeah and then just to go in and the person's like nope yeah like yes (laughs) saying yes yeah well I'm going through going in without the diagnosis it's the point where you're like like, I've ruined my stomach with how yeah. many and Tylenol I've taken. Oh and at this point, it's still, doctors will treat the symptoms rather than treating the problem. Right. Um, which is something with medicine and I don't have a solution for. Right. But it's something that it's, it's awful. It's, yeah. you're constantly just making do. And finding little ways, so, you know, like I said, the uh, acupuncture or the physio or or CBD is a really great thing now, too. Um, but finding little things to kind of fix a much bigger problem. Right. And so what would your, you know, recommendation to someone who either thinks they have endo or even knows they have yeah. endo, like what their kind of next steps? So I'd... Um, if you if it's something that you think you might have, I would research the heck out of it because you you are your best advocate. It's horrible reality, but no one's going to advocate for you. Yeah. And as many times I have the loveliest doctors that I've met. My family doctor is wonderful, but no one can advocate for you. If they don't know, they can't say anything. So you have to research the heck out of it to figure out all of these lists of reasons why you think you might have that and bring it to as many doctors as it takes. So if one doesn't believe you, you go to the next one. 
and you find another one and you find another one and you have to really push for it. It's, it's horrible, but it's a thing. You gotta, you just gotta keep pushing for it and you gotta really listen to your body. So like I said, doctors will try and brush it off or, um, they assume that they're already helping. Right. But if you still feel something, you really have to make that stand to say, no, I know that painful periods are normal, but this there's something wrong. Right. There's something more. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, in general, whether you think you might have it or you know you do, talking to your doctor about um, supplements. I'm on a few different supplements right now. CBD has been crazy effective. And helpful. I feel like it helps everything. It helps everything. <laughs> just, this is not promoted by CBD, but if you <laughs> need it, take if it. you need it, then <laughs> the thing is, you can do the CBD without any sort of THC in it. Yeah. So it's just for sort of yeah. pain management yeah. or relief of some sort. Yeah. My crazy dog takes CBD. Yes. Anxious, but they so. I, Side note, went yeah. to the dog store the other day, and the government came in and gave them a cease and desist on dog CBD oil. No way. Yeah. There's a whole, whole store of that in, like, seashells. Oh, really? Yeah. Just for dogs? or Just for, for pets. Oh, my God. Well, if you're yeah. there, can you get I'll get you okay, because my dog needs it. <laughs> yeah. But, well, yeah. that's the thing, is if this is something that's helpful, we have no problem yeah. giving people, dogs, anyone else, yeah. medication, right? That's just a... There's you know, chemicals. Chemical, and, yeah, yeah. Com- combination to be like, yeah. here, take this. Yeah. But something natural that doesn't have the hallucinogen. Yeah. It's something that's pure. Yeah. Why not? Why not? <laughs> no. Oh, my gosh. Um, so back to my question before. Mm-hmm. Would you also suggest, like you were mentioning that the communities online are yes. amazing. Would you suggest someone join one of those and kind of, like, put some testers out there? And yeah, absolutely. For referrals so, you mentioned and stuff. Because I couldn't imagine, like, I mean, I go to my one doc walking clinic because I don't even have a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> so I couldn't imagine having to just go to, to like, multiple walking clinics. I'm like, hello, is there an endo doctor? And oh, yeah. Like, and you won't find one. Yeah, you won't. There's, like, I think... I saw a statistic there's like 200 endo specialists, I think worldwide. Holy. I, I don't know. And they're probably super young because so they probably just came out yeah. of med school. Yeah, because all these other guys are like so old and it's like, yeah. what is it? That can't be You having. have a uterus? Yeah, exactly. What is a uterus? <laughs> what do you do with that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. But um, yeah, going to any sort of doctor you can find, the BC Women's is in BC the predominant endo resource. Okay. Interesting. Um, it yeah. kind of makes sense. I mean, it's huge there. It's huge. Yeah. I went to, um, it's gotten great feedback. Yeah. I didn't love it. Yeah. <laughs> which I'm nervous to say. I mean, be honest, right? I mean, the thing is, I have, um, my doctor there was the one who did my first surgery, okay. who nicked an artery so obviously ended with internal bleeding yeah you're gonna have some negative (laughs) so i have some negative thoughts with that one she also didn't have great bedside manner um and for me and kind of brushed me off a bit and for me in with dealing with all of these things and for how long it took me to finally have someone to say that they believe me right it was a real step back yeah so 
I will not be going back there. Yeah. But at the same time, it's a great resource. I'm glad yeah. I went there to begin with yeah. and got their input. I also did their program. They have this um, mindfulness okay. endo program. Oh, wow. It's it's short. It's like you go in for one mindfulness workshop. Yeah. You go do um, two private sessions with their physio and their counselor. And then a follow-up with your surgeon who you're with. Oh, wow. It's not... It, it was free with a referral. I got yeah. my doctor to refer me into it. It didn't take up tons of time. I'd yeah. say it's well worth it. That's cool. Um, yeah, so I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I, I read a lot of books on it, too, which I also feel like you have to kind of yeah. keep in the back of your mind that the book that I read, which I cannot remember it, but we'll I will tell you afterwards yeah. and we'll post it. <laughs> um, Oh, it's The Doctor Will See You Now. Okay. Don't remember the author, though. Okay. He's the <laughs> surgeon. Oh. So it was a great book. Yeah. Very educational. It was talking about a whole bunch of different women's journeys through this. Oh, wow. So it was another one of those you're not alone pieces, which cool. is great. great. Yeah. Um, and then you see how many different stories there are. So totally. yours could be totally different than those other ones, but it doesn't discount what you're oh, going yeah. through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which was great, but it's totally through the surgeon's perspective. So you got to remember that while listening to yeah. it or reading it. Yeah. Um, there's a podcast called The Uterus and the Deuterus. Ooh. Adorable. Oh my God. I loved it. Okay. And we'll link that. Yeah, yeah. it's great because it's one of those um, super fun podcasts. So awesome. the main girl on it, she has endo. And with endo, a lot of things that I've found are very, they're very sad. <laughs> Yeah, they're well, very kind of uh, clinical or a little doom and gloom, or which is great. You need that right. information anyway. Yeah, but at some points you kind of have to laugh. Yeah, and just be like you laugh or you cry. You yeah. Know? Oh yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I loved that. It was great for a laugh. Um, there's another one called I think it's called The Endo Life, okay. which is a great podcast. Yeah. There's a couple different ones. Okay. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, and then the main one is in the community, which I found through Facebook and Instagram, particularly Instagram, there are tons. Oh. So there are tons and tons and tons of women who are part of this, who also do their own blogs, so it can link to that sort of oh, okay, thing. okay, cool. Um, and they're fantastic, and you can just find those by hashtagging endometriosis or endo-awareness, um, endo-warrior is another big one, and endo-sister, I think, are the... okay. Biggest one left. Yeah, that's awesome. No, that's great. Because I think even for people who are like me, and okay, there's all these. You know, you hear it now a lot. Yeah, and it's like, what is what is that? What, <laughs> like, what is it? You know. And I remember when I first met, I'm like, why well, painful periods too? Like, what? Oh yeah, what is worth this, looking right? into. So I mean, it's just fascinating. And I, you know, it's sad. We I took a prenatal training last year and learned more about the female body in like ten days than I had in my like thirty years oh, on this right? And yeah. I was just like, wow, I just brought a pelvic floor specialist and a midwife and a doula and I was yeah. like, This is amazing, you know, and we don't talk about a lot of issues that if well, at all. No <laughs> issues that affect <laughs> women and you know, 
yeah, I think it's fascinating that we can use social media in a way to then find those communities and find those resources too. Oh, absolutely. Find out information, whether you're dealing with it or friend or you're just interested in or just interested. Absolutely. And the thing is, there are so many, like it's one in 10. There are so many people out there. And it's probably probably like one in five in reality. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because how many people will actually end up getting the diagnosis? Yeah. So there's so many people out there that this affects. It takes so little. And I posted something on my Instagram today because I loved it. And it was something where it was just the nicest thing. You know, you have a chronic illness when, right? The nicest thing is that you can hear is for someone to tell you, oh, I Googled your condition. Yeah, I saw that. That was awesome. <laughs> I love it. Because it is one of those things that it's just the simple fact that someone would be willing to take two minutes right. to Google it is huge. Right. With how many... People don't know about it. And then the people who know something about it, there are so many misconceptions that it's just, you'll hear some things that it's, you know, have a baby, that'll cure it. Or get a hysterectomy, that'll cure it. Or like all all these different things. And it's not true. There's no cure. So someone who's struggling constantly with these things, having a friend or a loved one take all of two minutes to just Google it. Yeah means the world it's amazing yeah yeah I mean because yeah like I I had understood about that it affected obviously like the whole reproductive system Mm -hmm. but I didn't know that it could go anywhere yeah which and that it would flare up at other times oh yeah during the month that's just but it makes sense because like like I mean you get you call them like well we call them mid period cramps which is like when you ovulate yeah so that makes sense because especially if it's around your right so it's like anything that's happening down there it's just gonna be like oh Oh, hey like let's flare up now and oh yeah yeah like your body's working but it's just working in the wrong places (laughs) yeah (laughs) like i'm just gonna work everywhere (laughs) yeah well and if you think of it if you ever talk to a, a pelvic floor physio i have a wonderful pelvic floor physio and she thinks it's hilarious because my uh, pelvic floor is doing so much work right um always yeah so in general the typical person your pelvis is all the muscles are connected to the rest of your yeah. body which i didn't know until i did my needle training i was like jesus like why are we not okay. treating this nicer yeah exactly <laughs> you screw that up and yeah hope. yeah yeah so it's connected to everything right. so the fact that you know that area is constantly tense or constantly fighting and doing all these different things no wonder it affects the rest of you yeah so taking you know that time to actually figure that out and you know be a little bit nicer to that part of your body (laughs) amazing so what does your like kind of as you look forward now you've had the surgery you're Mm -hmm. still recovering from the surgery um but you have your diagnosis yes starting to go back to work so like what does your kind of you know like one year from now 10 years from now kind of life look like if you have yeah. an idea <laughs> I mean I have an idea whether it's gonna work or right. it's yeah. totally different yeah um work-wise I need to realistically I need to alter my life a little bit because with the amount that endo affects my body it's working one-on-one with the kids is not sustainable. Right. So I'm already switching over to a bit of an office sort of side. So I need to kind of alter my position and what I do work-wise a bit. 
um, it alters even my partner and I just booked a trip to Italy. Oh yeah. Which is so exciting. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, and normally when I travel, it's, I, I plan all these adventures sort of. Of course. Things, because I'm still recovering and because now endo is more part of my life than it ever has been before, I had to plan a totally different trip. Of course. So it's, I'm looking at how many times I need to carry my bag. Oh my god! So how many home bases? Wow. I'm looking at hikes. Well, you know, I might want to do one, but then I need to also plan in a rest day. Of course. I'm looking at where I'm booking my accommodations to make sure they're somewhat central. So if midday, I need to go home for a rest. It so it's oh Totally. It alters everything. So I'm kind of thinking of that. Um, also, I'm hoping for children in my future. Yeah. Which, like I said, endo is one of the leading causes of infertility. Right. And adenomyosis is also, I, I don't know the statistics behind it, but it's pair, like it comes hand in hand with um, miscarriages. Oh my. Yeah. Just to add something. Yeah. Just like so. all the things. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. Yeah. So um, it, it was something that, it's embarrassing so, but when my partner and I started seeing each other, I brought up kids way earlier yeah. than I ever have in the past or ever thought I would. Right. Because for me, it's something that if it needs to be a now or never basis, I need to know what my game plan would yeah. be. So I have, we have planned out what that might look like right. future-wise when we want to start thinking about kids versus when we hope to have them because there might be a huge span between when that's possible right if it's not possible what would be an alternative would that be a deal breaker like there's a lot of things that we needed to discuss because it's so important to both of us right that most people probably wouldn't yeah and I find I, like kind of off topic but I find that so mm -hmm. interesting especially now is that as a woman like what? If, like you don't know you can't get pregnant until you can't get pregnant. Yeah. Right. So it's like you know, even when my husband and I kind of talked about it, it was like, well, what if I can't? So like it took my mom twelve mm -hmm. years to get pregnant. Oh wow. Right. Yeah. So like, what if? Like, and it's like how? Like, oh, is that a deal breaker? Well, yes. Okay. So you might you know that you know you might have issues, mm -hmm. but other women are like, I'm perfectly fine. My period totally. Normal. And then they can't get pregnant. And then that's, like, a reason for a guy to be like, see ya. Like, yeah. to me, it's oh, like, that's, that's terrible. <laughs> you know? And I just feel like that puts so much pressure on women to feel, quote-unquote, normal or oh, yeah. whole. And is do what the you're, like, supposed to do. Yeah, and, like, yeah. have the ability to have a child. Yeah. Because there's so many things that can go wrong. And we don't, it's oh, like, oh, God. you'll just get married. You have a baby. Like, all's right in the world. Like, no, there's so many other things. So that, many things. You know? And we put that almost almost always on the woman, mm -hmm. not on the man. Oh, and men are very right. rarely actually tested to yeah. see if they have... And even though they're, like, the easiest problems. to test. So in reality. Test. Like, it's so easy. You give them a magazine. Yeah. See in a couple minutes. Like, you know, whereas, like, women, there's so many, you know, whether it's, like, you were, like, my mom, hers was that she'd been birth on birth control for so long mm -hmm. that she was having a regular period, but she wasn't actually ovulating. Right. Yeah. So, like, and how would you know? But how would you, like, that's a lot of testing that you have to do yeah. to kind of realize that that was 
the issue. Whereas oh, yeah. when you're like, just go into this little room and, and have we'll some fun and we'll test it and yeah. we'll get back to you. Well, and I so feel like there's so many things that go into play that it's, you know, there's the hereditary aspect of it where yep. um, my mom had to go on um, IVF. Oh, okay. For my sister, yep. not with me. But um, she had to go to IVF. A lot of members of my family have infertility sort of issues. Oh, Plus, if there's anything added on to that, like endo or anything else, it comes, it makes it even more of an obstacle. Yeah. So there's so many different elements that, who knows? And then you look at ovulation and you look at, um, you know, the different parts of your body that are, you know, involved in that process and all these different things. Who knows? Right? (laughs) It's just like, it's too much. They make it sound like so simple but it's just so complicated oh yeah so complicated from all fronts oh my gosh um so we'll kind of like wrap up with that but is Mm -hmm. there any like words of wisdom or anything you wanted to kind of um I would just say that if you think you have endo or if you have endo keep pushing keep pushing to different doctors go see as many doctors as you can go see as many people as you can talk about it spread the word if you know somebody who has it 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 affects your social life like no other <laughs> so know that she might the person might cancel plans yeah. again yeah they will not always be there asking them if they're sick again is not helpful no <laughs> um it's not it's not something where it's just a painful period. Right. It's not, you know, it's not something to be brushed off. It is a very serious, life-altering, no-cure condition that it's heartbreaking to have, and it's yeah. heartbreaking to the people who love you to see you going through that. So be gentle to those around you that you know have it, yeah. and if you think you might, push. Push as often as you can and every time you have to go into the emergency in the middle of the night because of pain and the doctors don't want to give you pills because you've been there too many times push push every time try and explain it it'll get so tiring of trying to explain it to people who are just telling you go get a hysterectomy or go have a baby but do it anyway yeah education is going to be the key in order to do anything to lead to a cure and to lead to less people having to deal with it. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time and for sharing your story. Thank you. I love it. I appreciate it. (laughs)